Sweet episode of First Strike. Before we start the show, we've got to plug our sponsor, FaceToFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles this week. Select Legacy singles. So if you've been waiting to get Legacy, I think it's Legacy actually live in front of me, but we have a sale. So go to FaceToFaceGames.com and click the front banner. And uh, there's a lot of sweet stuff that are on sale. Um, I will just pull it up right now. Yeah, so on our main banner, Arkbound Ravager, Force of Will, Recruiter of the Guard, Sarah Sanctum, up to 50% off. So definitely go check it out. And check out our Facebook page. We posted some Facebook events today announcing the details of our MCQs in both Montreal and in Toronto. The Montreal one is on August 24th, which is in less than two months. And then we have one in September in Toronto. Uh, Arcbound Ravagers for every participant, and uh, can't wait. Can't really uh, main event modern. There's going to be side events for those that aren't or aren't into modern or go O2 or O3 and don't want to play the main anymore. We usually do ten dollar drafts of the latest set, so expect ten dollar uh, core set twenty twenty drafts. Pretty sweet time, as, as especially as the booster packs have risen in prices. Uh, usually our opens or our M- MCQs are a perfect opportunity to draft. We got Elliot, we got John on the show. We got the detective, Dolly Wall, back on the show, even though he didn't win, because I want to ask him what happened, what the heck happened. And uh, yeah, Sean, take it away. Did you bring three Hogaculus and did your appearance on the podcast get you to change or tinker uh, your 75? Okay, so uh, I did. I, we did end up bringing uh, three Hogak decks, and they were uh, basically similar. Um, There's no differences between them. Uh, I did end up playing the one Leyline in the main, like we talked about, and then three Ravenous Traps in the sideboard. Um, and I, I think the reason it didn't go well is there was just like so much graveyard hate that I think most people had like seven to eight pieces, including some in the main deck, and uh, that really like hindered our. Um, before this, I'd never played a deck that could get uh, hated up before. Like I'd never played something like Affinity or Dredge, so I didn't realize just how bad it is when everyone is playing this many pieces of like hard hate for your deck. Uh, we had like multiple games where, like for example, Isaac had a match where Zeldrazi trying to punt and mulligan to five cards, and then played a Grafter's Cage on turn one in game one. And then a Chalice on turn two, and he was just dead. And the next game, his opponent went Leyline and opening hand into Chalice on one off of Simeon's Spirit Guide, and he just didn't play Magic that match. And uh, that happened a lot to us. Like, I got game one Leylined a few times. Uh, just a lot of Leylines, uh, a lot of Chalices. Yeah, it was, it was kind of brutal. So, like, we still won 6-3, but it, 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 was, it was a lot to fight through for sure. So on, there's a bit of delays in Sean's connection. Isn't that great tonight? But we're hearing you crystal clear, Sean, just letting you know. Um, did you get the sense, so you guys played exact 75s. Did you get the sense that people in the room were also doing the same thing? Because on coverage, obviously, they try to find teams that play different decks. So we constantly saw, I think, 
sometimes six different decks. Uh, what was your sense of, of how people were playing this tournament? Um, I think most teams had uh, someone play a different deck in each seat, but um, there were still some decks. Like, we played against uh, one of the teams that made top eight that had, like, three Phoenix decks. I think Edgar's, Edgar's team also played three Phoenix decks. So I think there was, like, a good number of teams that, like, just brought the decks that they were comfortable with that are also just good in the meta still. Like, there's, like I think there's, like, six decks that are reasonable. And then... Um, I think there was also some teams that were like, all right, we think this is the best deck. We're all just going to pick up this deck and play very similar lists and try to do well with it. Um, I didn't see many, many people that played like two of a deck and then one of uh, another. So it seemed like those were like the two camps. You said Edgar's team brought three Phoenix decks? Yeah. yeah. Edgar, Daryl, and uh, Matt Dilks. I believe they're all on uh, Phoenix for that tournament. Mm. Were you surprised about that choice? Does that choice make sense to you as well? Um, I think I think Phoenix is just one of the best decks still in the format, and uh, um, I'd seen Edgar playing it on his stream a bunch, so I wasn't too surprised that he brought it. Um, I, I was more surprised that like the other two players ended up on Phoenix, but I mean they're, they're they're just solid players that I think can play any deck if they put the time into it. And and if they come to the conclusion that Phoenix is the best choice for the weekend, then it makes sense for all three of them to uh to play it. righty. Now I, I'll go to John. John, did the results of this weekend surprise you? My man. The only man. You know why Andy's not on the show? Because he actually said that Hogak was he would quit the show if Hogak doesn't get banned. And now the odds, the Vegas odds have shifted a little. Were you surprised? That's why he hasn't appeared. Were you surprised by this past weekend's results, John? Just like a little bit, only to the extent that the this is basically week one of the paper meta, whereas it's like week three of the uh, Hogak Summer online. And it seems like more, more, more often than not, when I was looking at the list, like they were prepared. Like they were like, like generally speaking, like John would have like, four graveyard hate pieces with, like, two scavengers or what, whatnot, and they'll try, try to dodge Dredge, for example, but that, like, that half measure is just not going to do it against Hogak, and all the lists I, I saw that were, like, doing well had the, like, four ley lines, had the extra graph diggers cage, uh, had the Yixil Jailers from humans, I think, which is actually excellent because, you know, if, uh, if people suspect that uh, humans are sighting in Chalice and ley line against you, then, oh, oh psych, I'm just going to juke and, you know, go on a creature, hate, hate bear uh, plan instead. So um, I'm surprised that Hogak got oppressed as much as they did, even though they were still around. I mean, it was like 20 plus percent of day two meta. But I'm surprised in that they didn't have a better result in the winner's circle. But I think it's clear that um, people were prepared for it. And um, given this and given the fact that um, it's open decklist in uh, PT Barcelona, um, which will which will incent people to play main deck rest in peace surgicals and ley lines as they did a, at PT London. I think that the deck will survive the first ban cycle. That's my feeling right now. All right, I'm, I'm going to try to get as much detective uh, juice in this podcast before he has to go draft. Sean, are you preparing for for Barcelona? Is that is that why you're drafting tonight? Uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of Modern Horizons draft. Uh, I, I don't think it's reasonable to to put too much time into modern right now just because uh we have to see what the the band changes um the the format could change drastically and a lot of time would be lost if i put too much into modern 
So I've uh, just been playing a lot of Modern Horizons draft. also think that's just how I'm going to get the biggest edge. Uh, I think it's harder to get edges in, in Constructed these days just because you're not really going to break it as often. And uh, draft is where you can try to you know, leverage some skill advantage and uh, try to outdraft the table, uh, which is going to be hard. It's a, it's a pro tour, but you know, that's why I'm putting as much time as I can into it. And uh, I've been like team drafting a lot with uh, some of the Harry Tarantula guys, and I, I felt that um, team draft uses like a lot of concepts that you don't learn from eight man drafts that you can translate over to eight man drafts, if that makes sense. Like just being able to read what everyone at the table is in. So uh, I've been doing that a lot, and I think it's been helping me uh, get a lot better at just regular drafting. What do you think about this format versus some of the uh, more recent limited formats? Do you like it? Uh, is it skill testing? Yeah, I, th- I think this format's great. Uh, I do think it's skill testing. There are a lot of different um, archetypes that are viable. I think every color pair is viable. To some more to some are better than others, of course. And uh, I also think there's like different versions of each color pair, which makes it even deeper. Um, there are a lot of cards that like are kind of bad, but are really good in specific decks. Like for example, Goat Nap is really good in a deck that has sacrifice outlet- sacrifice outlets. So. Um, I think there's a lot of cards like that that you can find homes for if you're in the right deck uh, and you can wheel. So I do think it's like pretty skill testing. And, and I do think the games are pretty hard, especially because of ninjutsu. It makes it pretty difficult to know when to leave creatures back, uh, when to block. Like sometimes I'll just kill their turn one changeling outcast because that thing's just going to ninjutsu something later on and I'm not going to be able to deal with that or let them get a hit in. So I do think it's really uh, skill testing. I forgot to ask you about the for for back to the just last question on the team modern thing. If you could actually go back in time, how would you have tinkered the decks? What would you have played instead? Same deck with different lists. Um, I think Hogak was still a good choice. Um, I think what I might have done was played four Assassin's Trophy in the sideboard instead of three, and the main deck Leyline probably should have just been something like a lightning axe because uh thing in the ice was a huge problem um maybe more fatal push in the sideboard for the same reason uh i'm not really sure because like a lot of the losses that we took were to just hate pieces when we didn't draw the answers so i'm not sure really how to remedy that problem because we did play a lot of answers like we had six answers plus four thoughtsies so it, it might have just been right to play something like phoenix uh, just because Phoenix is, is still a powerful deck, proactive game plan, like what you want to be doing in Modern, that also gets to sidestep Graveyard Hate now because you have Aria Flame and Thing in the Ice. So maybe it's correct to run that. Uh, I'm not really sure. Or maybe just not go all in on the Hogak. Maybe just play one. I don't know. <laughs> Going th- Yeah, playing through is pretty deep. So, yeah. All right, Sean. Um... So just preparing any, any major events for you? I'm, I'm just going to let you go draft. So a- any other thing that's big for you coming up? Yeah, uh, so I'm going to be doing the uh, M20 pre-releases this weekend and then going to GP Detroit the weekend after, which is uh, M20 Limited. It's kind of like a, a detour away from my Pro Tour testing, but um, I think core sets are a little less deep than, than most draft formats, so I don't have to put as much time into it. And uh, it's a close GP, like a few hours away, so I can't really miss it. And, uh, yeah, that's my next big tournament, and after that will be the Pro Tour. Well, what's your best finish at a GP? Uh, I guess top four, then, because of uh, the team GP. But, like, at a solo GP would be just the uh, quarterfinals. Ooh, so you'll be hoping that to crack, 
crack another case and, and win a GP. Yeah, yeah. Or at least make it past like the first round of elimination, you know? That's the next goal. The trophy might be aiming too far, but I, I would obviously take that. All right. Good luck, and then we'll have you uh, again sometime soon with better internet connection. Uh, good sure, luck yeah. in your draft. I'll have that fixed for next time. Thank you. Take care, everyone. All right. That was Detective Dollywall. Always an amazing guest. Just uh, wanted to maximize the time with him. Uh, so, John, do you agree with some of the stuff he said? Like, Hogak could have been a, still a good choice. He just, like, didn't draw the right answers uh, for, for the right cards for that tournament. And, and what do you think about Phoenix in the tournament? I think, I think he is right to an extent here. Um, so, like, when I was playing Dredge, I noticed that um, there's only so many cards that can side him before um, your main plan starts to get diluted because it's so synergistic. Whereas, like, in Hogak, I think, like, there's, like, a, a lot of, like, small subsections of synergy where you might not need, like, a, like for Hogak. So you might not need, like, like for Blood Gas. And, like, you, like, some cards are, like, good with, like, less cards than you think kind of thing. So maybe it is, it is possible that you have to bring in, like, eight hate pieces that are somewhat flexible. Um, because, like, the worst thing for me when I was playing Dredge was, like, uh, going up against, like, Green Black or Humans where I didn't know what form hate, hate there was going to be. Uh, against humans, is it going to be uh, Chalice? Is it going to be Leyline of the Void? Is it going to be uh, Graph Digger's Cage? Those demand different answers. Uh, against Green Black, it could be Surgical, it could be Leyline, or it could be nothing. It could just be like Ravenous Trap, where Nature's Claim would be very embarrassing. So that's the challenge here. I think, um, conceptually, I, want, I would want to lean towards more flexible answers, and like answers in multiples. So I think I'm uh, looking towards like Force of Vigor and just having like a package of like Force of Vigor, Assassin's Trophy to cover not only like Leyline of the Void, uh, but also like uh, Chalice from Humans, for example, who, who might also have Leyline of the Void or who might also have Yixalit Jailer. I think the dex power level is high enough that um, you, want, you want your answers to be numerous and you want them to be uh, flexible. So that's where I'm going next. Um, you could look at like other packages such as like Rabble Master, which is like totally off off axis and solos the game on its own, but I don't think you can play that in an eighteen land uh, eighteen land deck. I think Crypt Breaker is very good, and I, I'm honestly, yeah, I think Crypt, uh, I think um, Force of Vigor is the next evolution, and it's just like more efficient against multiple hate if everyone's packing eight. So that's where I'm at. Elliot, do you have any reaction? Your reaction to all this modern stuff? Uh, well, for this weekend, I certainly would have played Hogak. Uh, in hindsight, if that was correct, uh, absolutely, because the deck's bonkers busted. Uh, I think that it like has to get banned come Monday, just for like the sake of the format. I think that uh, having people endure a pro tour that is either dominated by Hogak or dominated by decks playing four Leyline, four Rest in Peace in the sideboard type action is just horrible. And on top of that, it's also the MCQ season. So having people, uh, you know, like forced into playing Hogak in their MCQ or, or warping their decks extremely is like going to leave a pretty bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, I'm sure. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe Watsi can leave the Allosaurus Rider deck alone. It kind of hasn't put any up, put any good results up. Like I, I, I think that definitely it's a deck that may eventually get touched, especially as we move into more and more tournaments to have the London Mulligan rule. It's also the sort of deck that um, 
plays with a bunch of really weird cards. Like you don't see any of its key cards really anywhere else in the format. And that's one of those decks that a random innocuous card in an upcoming set could just totally tip the balances and make it even more busted than Hogak, really. I don't know what that card would be, but you know, if you told me that Neoform would do that to an existing Eldritch Evolution Allosaurus starter deck, I probably wouldn't have believed you until I've seen it. So the fact that we're here talking about it is kind of proves the point that it could happen again. Um, and I'm, I'm generally not a fan of uh, what I like to think of like as bad intentions decks. Like nobody's shown up with Allosaurus Rider and Neoform in their deck and thought like, I'm the hero of this tournament. So it's just like, if, you're, if your intentions aren't really good, then should you be allowed to play it? I don't know. Obviously, combo decks have a, have a position in the format, and you can't just like ban all the combo decks. But I don't know. I'm not a fan of of like the turn one and turn two decks, even if they're firing below fifty percent or below thirty percent or something like that. Uh, I just I envision John as like a hero, but then after he shakes the guy's hand, kills him on on turn one or two, and there's this awkward uh, awkward silence. Uh, John, where, where are you at in terms of if you had an important tournament tomorrow, and we're not doing the the London Mulligan yet, let's say important tournament tomorrow, are you are you neo forming or are you hogacking in this hypothetical scenario? So I was talking to Tangrams actually, who will um, will have uh, later in the show, and I. Whether it's my, a flower or not, I think like I've never been the one to um, go with the best deck unless it's appreciably better than the field. Like for example, if I was still if I was playing during the Eye of Ugin era, I would have picked uh, Eldrazi. But I never felt like humans. Uh, let's see, humans and uh, Grixis Shadows and Blue Light Control, who have had their stay as the clear best deck, or uh, is a Phoenix. I've never been like motivated to play them. Uh, I think it's probably a flaw, but whatever. Um, so I wouldn't. I, I, I would play probably still play Hogak. I think it's like very busted, and especially if it's a paper event, there's a chance that it's like a local FNM hero that doesn't play Magic Online. Who's just who you're just gonna get like free win because Hogak is favored against nonsense and not favored against um, uh, hate and a few structurally bad matchups, which there aren't many of right now, like Neoform, for example. So I would, I would lean towards Hogak. Um, the conversation with Tangram I had before was like, what if Burn or Monorail Phoenix is good now? Like, what if um, people are playing Blue-White, people are playing Humans, people are playing uh, Hogak, uh, like Tron maybe, I don't know. But like, if people are playing those decks, like, is it Phoenix? I think Burn, like, Eidolon's beating, uh, um, Blood Moon from uh, Monorail Phoenix is beating, and they got a fast clock. So... I actually do think that um, Burn and or uh, Monorail Phoenix is uh, well positioned because no one's playing Creeping Show anymore. So and like these like micro like movements in the meta game can affect even like e- even the like most obscure decks, right? So I think like I'm on either like like is it Phoenix? I think it's good with Arya. Um, I gotta give that a try. I think Hogak is very good. Uh, obviously, I think Blue White's secretly being one of the most impressive decks out there. People just don't want to talk about it, even though it's been putting up consistent results over the last year, and it's gotten such benefits from the power creep. And yeah, I like either the burn deck or the mono rip deck. So um, these are like common tier one picks 
our tier two picks right now, but I, I do think that these are well positioned right now. Okay, one last question for you, John, before we get Tangrams on. Did you see in the same tournament that Tangrams finished top eight and Neil Brand by Matsugan finished with a 7-1 record? Did you check out his list? And what, what do you think of his list? Of course. Uh, Matsugan actually was the person that inspired me to continue because uh, <laughs> like, I, I first started uh, playing with the Mimasaurus uh, Rider deck, like, <laughs> when it was, like, released. I thought it was like a joke. I thought it was like too fragile. Uh, not consistent enough. I put it away, but then there were two back-to-back Magical Online top eights, one by Matsugan, who almost won. He was second place. And he, he I, I know he's a good player, but because he's created wacky decks like um, Street Wraith, uh, Traverse the Ovenwald uh, Bogles, or the Hall of the Bandit Lord um, Devoted Druid. So I know, I, I know he, knows Dru- um, he knows his combo. So actually, he, his list was the inspiration for me to continue testing, and put in these like 200 uh, matches of data and uh, keep iterating on it and the fact that he almost got there he was ninth on breakers um in the last ptq um yeah i I was really happy to see and it was kind of validating in terms of this might be a busted deck that will get better in with the london mulligan that is just like under the radar right now so yeah um he he's his work is uh has been an inspiration for my uh uh my decision to play the deck is there any, any specific cards that, that he has that you don't? Uh, he doesn't like white ley lines. He likes, like, Autumn's Veil. And just to touch on, like, um, what Elliot was saying, like, even an innocuous card can drastically change the texture of a, um, of a, of a deck or a metagame. I think Summer's Veil um, is a very good card. It's already been making, like, um, this already been noise that Summer's Veil might be very good uh, in Legacy Ant, for example. I think like it, it's going to be very good, or potentially very good in Neo form as well, uh, and all that. So, like, I, I think that. Uh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I, I I just like went on a tangent, but Is there any, any specific deck, any specific cartridges yeah, that you have? He he plays Autumn's Veil, which I think is strictly worse than Summer's Veil, and uh, that's to respect Dovin's Veto as well as Force Negation. So, I think that. Um, I might still play White Ley Lines. Uh, he doesn't play Hopo Gearper because we can't. I, I, my Seattle MCQ run was foiled by Dovin's Veto. I was X on Dovin's Veto. I cannot beat that card very easily. Hopo Gearper is not uh, reliable enough. But uh, Summer's Veil has applications against uh, discard decks as well as blue decks. So maybe, maybe our lists will converge. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's like other minutiae like 13 land, 14 lands versus 13 lands plus um, multi format all star uh, safe right quest. Everyone knows what that card is, uh, I'm pretty sure. And, like, Street Wraith versus, like, I don't know, Dissenters, Deliverance, and all that. So it's oh, just a bunch of small stuff. All right. Sweet, sweet. Joining on us on the show right now, someone who just top-aided a Moto PTQ, someone we've been talking about a lot, someone that John has been hyping both publicly and privately to me as a sick ringer because he's on the Mox 2019 leaderboard. Mr. Tangrams, welcome to the show. How's it going, Dave? Hello. Thank you so much for having me, KRZ. <laughs> going pretty well. Yeah. And the, the great introduction. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I couldn't do it without John. John actually hypes, uh, hypes you as a ring. I like every, I'm like, dude, I've been in this game longer than you. And he's like, oh, man, this guy's a sicko. This guy's a sicko. I'm like, what's going on? Um, so I think it's easy for me to digest 
trophy leader uh, because of how the interface and everything. And it's easy to push when misplaced ginger was grinding as like this trophy hunting guy and, and hype him up. Um, but now like to me, even I'm asking you like, why, how are you grinding the mocks? I've been chatting with you. I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what it takes to get all these points. If it means anything to be on, on the leaderboard. So um, please tell me, enlighten me, educate me. Yeah. So the mocks is, it's a year long tournament series. And um, the, the whole culmination is there's this invite only tournament in at wizards headquarters in Renton. There's uh, 24 people qualify. And there are a couple different ways to qualify. Um, you can like kind of win these individual tournaments, like qualify for these kind of uh, like more exclusive tournaments and do well at one of those, or you can have a consistent leaderboard finish. Um, so, so you mentioned I'm on the leaderboard. There are like seven slots from that at the end of the year where they get invited to this tournament and to to get points on the leaderboard you just have to do well at um these sort of specific events they hold throughout the year um they're kind of different like tiers of events it's a little complicated but it's kind of like it's kind of like analogous to like pro points there's like gps and pro tours that both give you pro points the mox also has like these kind of like GP level event and these kind of like pro tour level events that you can get points from. And then at the end of the year, if you're at the top of the leaderboard, you, uh, you get invited to this tournament, which is like, it's like not as big as like worlds or anything, but it does. It has like, I think 250 K in prizes. So it's pretty big deal. Yeah. And and just this recent one, there there were a lot of names that we recognize and a lot of known ringers like Jabberwocky has been, one of the most known ringers uh, for a long time now. Is this the closest? Uh, have you been on the leaderboard consistently over the years, or uh, is it just a recent thing? This is my first year on the leaderboard. My first year, like trying to be on the leaderboard, and um, yeah, definitely a little out of my depth. There's people like like Jabberwocky, like a bunch of like gold pros and stuff up there. So it's kind of kind of crazy to be up there with them in my first year. So John, John, he just says his first year. Why do you why do you keep telling me this guy's a sicko? I didn't realize it was his first year really trying. Like all, I've all, I've always <laughs> seen his like uh, naming like the top at the top of the challengers. I know that like he tries like different lists and all that. And yeah, I I, I still think he's a sicko. <laughs> well, I obviously credit Tangrams for for getting me on bat manipulation so that allowed me to. Well, no, a boreal grazer. Got me to 50, mythic level number 50. Um, so shout out to you, Dave, on that. <laughs> yeah, that deck uh, is, um, might be back. Well, maybe not with Grazer, but that new, new green ley line, I think is really good in that deck. So you'll have, to, you'll have to give that a shot. And there's like the Simic guy that's basically a Grazer. The, the three, the three drop, the, the one one where you can put oh, a line. Yeah, yeah, the, the coin Prison oracle, Ridge. Reef, Reef Ruin. Risen Reef, yeah. right. Yeah. Risen Reef. That, yeah, that card's really good and really good in a lot of different decks, too. Maybe not just that um, specific, like, ramp shell. I think you're going to be seeing a ton of that card. Okay, so let's talk, let's talk about your, your modern deck choice. Um, John mentioned how, you know, Red, Burn might be well-positioned in the current meta. What did you decide to play and why? Yeah, so I played Burn, and not just, like, the normal Red-White Burn, but I played 
um, this all-in red-black version with four Bump in the Night and four Shard Volley, um, which is like a pretty big divergence, obviously. And I chose that because you guys were talking earlier, Sean was talking about how Hogak had just gotten, like, he was just getting hated out every single round, right? Just, just like, ley lines, ravenous traps. And I was kind of feeling that online, too. I could, I could tell people were prepared for it, especially online where, like, card availability isn't as much of an issue. Um, people are more willing to jump around and play, like, really what they think is, is best for the week. So you weren't going to catch anyone by surprise with Hogak. So definitely didn't want to play that. And I just felt like of the best um, anti-Hogak decks, you need, like, a, a really fast deck that can goldfish it game one, but also um you know attack with graveyard hate in game two to kind of come at them from a different angle and i felt like burn was just the best position of those it also does really well against blue red phoenix which is kind of the second best deck right now um and i wanted to play the black version just because it's faster i just wanted to to be able to goldfish hokak and just like have a prayer in game one because they're just gonna gonna run you over if you can't kill them on turn three basically so you just want as many one mana spells in your deck as possible to give yourself the best chance to raise them oh, that makes a ton of sense so how did the tournament uh, go overall it looks like at least ho- three hogak made it to to the top eight wow yeah there was there was a ton of hogak i played it there was nine rounds of twist i played it four times so that was that was half of my swiss rounds basically it was against hogak which was pretty nutty there wasn't a lot of it at the top of the standings which i was kind of expecting um just because like we said there was just gonna be so much graveyard hate this week but um i definitely felt like you know in the tournament itself i was gonna have to gonna have to play it and beat it a ton so i really um you know i had four ley lines in my sideboard i had two raptos charms on top of that so i really just just loaded up on the graveyard hate and was um, ready to beat it. Uh, John, John, take it away. No, I, I think I think that like, he makes a lot of good points here. Like some minutia I might do differently is like I'm always like I, I'm always up for like the one ley line just to like if you can get him, you can uh, you can make him respected by like them boarding like four nature's claims, for example, but. Um, I, I do think a lot of like ag- aggressive decks are misbuilt in their sideboard right now. Um, like a deck like Monorep Phoenix, for example, um, or Burn or Humans, like they have a, a claw of goldfish that's like still fast at a baseline. So I, I think they need to. I, I'm not a fan of the four ley lines, to be honest. Like I'll, I'll always have the one, especially if you can like loot it away for value in terms of showing them the ley lines, so they have to bring nature's claims, but. If you're uh, if you are an assertive deck, I always want to just have like the Hermod's um, Crypt or Ravenous Trap or Search Goals, have them in like like large numbers, and then just like try to tempo them out. Um, I think um, Tangrens, uh, like I definitely do appreciate the uh, uh, the traps and all that. And um, clear, uh, clearly, like he he was trying to go for as streamlined and as fast as possible with like Bumpy the Night as well as. Um, uh, shard volley and it definitely paid off and i do i do like his list a lot yeah um i totally i totally get that like you know just wanting the the cribs just try to slow him down i just feel like with hogak specifically it's just so easy for that deck to rebuild and especially a deck like burn like you can't really 
beat an early Hogak, you're like you're forced to blow your Tormod scripts so aggressively because um you just have to keep them off like cards in the graveyard even because once they get to five and two creatures in play, they can just delve out a Hogak and then they you can't attack them and you're just dead in two attacks. So um that was why I felt like Tormod's Crypt, Ravenous Trap just like really weren't enough for this specific Hogak deck, so I just really wanted the the hammer, and they can bring in the the Wismares or the Nature's Claims or whatever, but if um, they have to line up right, right? It's like if you draw the Leyline, they don't draw the Claim, they're they're screwed. If they draw the Claim, you don't draw your Leyline, like, they're just down a card, right? So, unless it, it lines up in that very specific way for them, you're you're coming out ahead, so I that's why I went with the Leylines. I think that's reasonable here, and because you're not, you're not showing them white, Rest in peace. Like they might not even like bring in the uh, the nature's claims, for example, or the whatever the enchantment hate is. I, I, I'm, I'm mostly I think is the rectal char- rectal's charm is just like a bit inefficient. I think and like I know it has like wider applicability and all that, but I I, I think I got to play the matchup a bit more to understand like how much tempo matters versus how much of a hammer you need. Uh, my my my. Like I was visualizing, like you just like delving them out, and just all you need to do is like disrupt them once or twice, kind of thing. But uh, it's definitely possible that um, you do need a hammer because they can recover from uh, some harassment from like a Tormod's crypt or whatever. So it, it's it's definitely uh, possible that you're right. Yeah, I think yeah, specifically for burn because each card you bring in like puts you down so many resources. Right? It's like essentially. For every like non-burn card in your deck, you're taking a turn off your your goldfish. You can kind of think of it that way. So, I feel like the the crypts are only slowing them down like about a turn. And you were mentioning like a delver strategy. If you have more creatures in your deck, right, that makes a lot more sense because um, you can sort of leverage that extra turn the the tormund script gives you more effectively. But when you're playing like more of a pure burn deck, like unless you have you know these like double creature draws, you're not really gaining much out of the the extra turn the Tormod script gives you. You would almost much rather just have like a like another lava spike at that point. So the leyline I feel like is gonna give you the best odds of like buying you multiple turns if that makes sense. I think that's reasonable. So, so Dave, what's your what's your focus now? I mean, I, I talked to you about um, you know chatting with before um, that your your focus is on the mox. It's a goal of yours for for this year. So you're not you're not likely to touch arena or or just jam infinite on that. So um, tell us what's on the horizon for you, my man. Yeah, I'm just really going all in trying to qualify for this tournament. It's um kind of obviously like a bit in the background now with all the arena stuff going on that's really really taking the spotlight and the mocks just happened a couple months ago and it was kind of you know this tournament and some people watched it but it it was not a huge deal and i feel like not even as big of a deal as it was like a year or two ago so um it is kind of strange like just sort of outsider perspective like oh why would you want to qualify for this tournament but um it's just, I don't know. I really like the the tournament structure of the mocks. I think the fact that you can qualify by like consistently doing pretty well and like getting on this leaderboard versus having to have like post this like insane record in like a 
arena like uh qualifier weekend you have to go you know like 12 and 2 or something like that just to to qualify from there and it's like i'm not really as interested in that right i think that's like to you're gonna burn yourself out pretty quickly trying to play in those events um it's just they're just asking too much of you to to just sort of have this like ludicrous spiky finish um and I really, I really just like this tournament structure better. I like that you get to play multiple formats. You get to play a lot of modern, which is my favorite format. Um, and obviously, you can't play modern in any of these arena events. So I like that element of it. And just, um, just yeah. Also, I, I just kind of, I like did well at the start of the year. And there's that kind of joke like once you once you do well at the start of a season, you're kind of you're kind of committed. You just like have to go all in on it. So that was, that was kind of me. I, um, <laughs> I won the first mocks event of the, the season with KCI. That was a week before it got banned. Um, so I was kind of like, well, I guess I'm, guess I'm doing this now. This is, this is my life for the next year. <laughs> I mean, like you said, the championship's still pretty awesome. And I mean, I wish I was qualified for it. Uh, first gets 50 K second, 30 K, uh, et cetera. As I'm scanning through details, I mean, and, and it is a sweet structure. I mean, I honestly wish Arena was like that, where you could, like, build up um, and, and use your skills in, in multiple formats. Um, but, you, but you're actually, like, playing some real-life tournaments as well. Um, I think recently you, you were at a GP or, or something? Yeah, I just kind of um, play a few tournaments on the side. It's not my main focus, but, like, there was a Grand Prix 20 minutes for me, so obviously I'm going to play that. And there are... Um, uh mcqs like the modern mcqs obviously my favorite format definitely to play those was just like talking to john like yo they just opened up pre-registration this is gonna sell out really fast we gotta we gotta kind of get in the door here get registered so um still gonna play those but i definitely see myself more of as an online player that's kind of just the um i just kind of enjoy playing magic more online it's just it's just kind of my my thing i just enjoy it more yeah, yeah I, i've learned that like i even said i'd rather now i'd rather qualify for uh the arena championship than the tabletop one um and and yeah that's how i feel right now uh dave what, what's your thought on what might or might not get banned from your perspective um i think they should i think they should ban something from hogak i think um you can look at the results from this last week and say, you know, oh, it didn't do that well. It, you know, shouldn't get banned. But I think that's kind of like I think Elliot was saying earlier, just kind of discounting how much Hogak has done to the format, how much Greyguard hate everyone needs in their deck. Um, just how many different angles this deck comes at you from. It can just like put an 8 8 into play on turn two, and like no amount of Greyguard hate is going to save you from that. You can Ravenous Trap them, and then they just untap if they still have an altar in play. It's really easy for them to rebuild. Um, it's just doing a little too much, a little too efficiently. Like, the fact that it can just have these altar mill kills that, like, doesn't even need to win with combat um, is a huge deal. Like, it, it, you know, dodges and snaring bridge and a lot of those other kind of hate cards. I think it's just... It's just a little too good. Yeah, even John just mentioned Infinite Life. It, it beats that. It's just, like... It just does a little too much, a little too efficiently, and you can hate it out and you can beat it, but I think it's just asking too much of the format to sort of constantly be in that state where you need, you know, 
two pieces of main deck graveyard hate and another like four to six in your sideboard, that's just not where you want modern to be sort of long term, I don't think. Sweet. All right. And uh, Dave, do you get hyped? hyped? Oh, go ahead, Elliot. I was going to say those numbers that Tangrams just mentioned there of, you know, two main deck graveyard hate cards and four to six in the sideboard, they sound like really egregious, like a total, like, I don't know. To me, they seem made up, but I looked at the top uh, of like the top decks from the SCG and from the GP, and those were the exact numbers. There was one and a half main deck graveyard hate cards on average, and like about four main deck or sideboard graveyard hate. So there ended up being like nearly six graveyard hate cards per deck. In and I think I looked at the uh, the top twenty four decks from the SCG, which is it's absurd. Like. Back back in my day, if you had like a bad dredge matchup, you put the third rest in peace in your sideboard. That was what you needed to beat the graveyard deck. This is absurd. All right, I guess everyone's on the same page. Get, I get, John, I guess Annie's not going to... No, no, you don't think it will get bad, right? John? I think it should, but I don't think it will. The reasons are that I think the burden of proof for a ban, especially for a new, brand new deck, is going to be very high. Um, I think it's oppressive. I think it's, it's, the power level is very high. Like, I make this comparison of, is this better than the great, a Golgari Grave Troll Dredge deck, which got banned? And I think, like, by far it is. Like, I, I don't think it's, like, close. And the, the only reason I don't think it's going to be is, one, it wasn't as visible to the entirety of the... Um, to, to the modern player base in general, too, that the loud Twitter voices don't don't account for, don't represent the majority of the modern player base. So it's possible that um, like nor not Nora should they be basing a BNR um, decision based on uh, social media, but like it's only a small portion. Like we don't know like how it's going to be received by like the majority of the modern format. We, even though I think people freaking hate it, and three like. like <laughs> Except, except for the ramming up ruins and the uh, rampaging ferocidon bands, which were actually um, uh, preemptive bands, which I actually applaud them. And I generally have been very uh, impressed with Ian Duke's uh, explanations on the BNRs. I think the explanations and the thought process are very thorough. So I do appreciate that. I just don't think they'll go ahead and like preemptively ban something before it has ruined the format. So my money's on the uh, Hogak surviving another band cycle. And don't tell anyone, but uh, uh, Allosaurus Rider is also not going to be banned for a little bit. Okay, I got, I got, I got to get Dave's uh, opinion on this. What do you think of John's pet deck, Neoform Combo, or, or the deck he likes to call Mimosaurus? Mimosaurus. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. I played that deck like right when it first broke out, before it wasn't you know, putting up any results. It was just kind of going around Twitter and, like, hushed whispers. People were like, you've seen this this Allosaurus Rider deck? Um, I was kind of playing it back then, and my first reaction, which I think hasn't really changed, was it's just... This deck just, like, shouldn't exist. Like, John was throwing out these numbers. It wins, like, I can't remember. It was, like, 20 to 40% of its games or something in the first, like, two turns of the game. I just... I think no matter how, how good a deck is, even if it was only winning, like, 45% of its games overall, right? Like, obviously, that's, like, a horrible deck. You'd never play it. But I think just the fact that it's winning 
such a high percentage of those games within the first two turns of the game. That's just that's just too much. It's it's like not what people are are signing up to to play modern. That's not what they're looking for. They don't want to sit down. Their opponent, you know, smiles, reveals Chancellor of the Tangle. It's they haven't even taken a turn yet, and they're dead. Like that doesn't need to happen that often for you to just never want to play the format again, right? Like, um, and I think you can beat it. You can you can absolutely you know play Graph Digger's Cage, play Counter Spells, and it's not that good. But like, it doesn't need to be that good, right? It's it's gonna gonna ruin enough people's days, you know, even if it's not winning that often. All right, I. John, like back back to that funny scenario. I wish that screw the the misplaced vlog. If we could just have a vlog of you playing that deck in the tournament and just introing yourself to every opponent in the friendliest manner before the match, <laughs> before you destroy them on turn one, uh, that would be amazing. That would make my day. <laughs> you have no idea. Like I played I played the deck in paper for the first time at the three P Seattle MCQ. I try to be as nice as possible because I played Grishka Brown. I've turned two people, and I know it doesn't feel that great for them. So I try to be as friendly as possible. Two matches, I turn one twice in the same match. It was back back. <laughs> I turned one four games in a row, and their smiles went from a smile to a frown and a boring, different look very fast. And uh, yes, uh, one of them just like signed the slip and got the, fuck, got the hell out. So. Uh, and you gotta you you gotta be you gotta be prepared to, uh, prepared to face that kind of stuff. Like it's like if you play lantern, it's like you'll you'll get faced with the same same type of like indifference and salt. Have you ever had someone just put an X on the on the match slip yet? No, but I would love to do that. <laughs> well, you, you just tell them after the match. It's okay. This deck only wins forty forty five percent of the time. So, you, know, you just got unlucky. That's, that's what you have to tell them. Yeah. Hey, I actually ran the numbers. It's between 20 and 40% that that would have happened per game. So, you know, <laughs> tough luck, buddy. Good luck in the rest of the rounds. <laughs> oh, that's not feel better. I, I, I ran the numbers. No, the, the worst part is, and one more thing here, um, the worst part is if they're considering, like, the hard mulligan or keep, and then you have a turn one a kill on the play with a pack negation, I, I've had that happen a few times. I almost want to just reach out and say, hey, I know you were thinking very hard about this mulligan, but don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. Let's go to the next game. Like, I almost want one of you. <laughs> oh man, I just want to know the friendly banter beforehand. It's like, oh, where are you from? Like all the all the friendly John banter before you destroy him. Um, Dave, do you, are you hyped? Uh, do you look forward to new sets? Are you hyped for Core Set 2020? Is your brewing mind already on the cards for either standard or modern? I actually have a. Very high stakes mox event. Um, not this weekend, not pre release weekend, but release weekend and is standard. So I am like in overdrive right now. This event is is like one of the the four biggest mox events of the year. It's like a like a mox pro tour almost. So um, I kind of have to be excited. I am excited because I think the the cards are really sweet. I think the power level is much higher than a normal corset, but there's kind of this sense of urgency as well because I like need to build a good deck and need to you know put my put my best foot forward for this tournament. So, all right. So so I'll have you comment on these guys just a moment. We'll have you on for these guys top five 
Is it constructed cards? We're doing constructed? I forget the rules standard, now. Standard. Of it's more. standard. Oh, that's even perfect for Tangram Sakama and I. Top five standard from Corset 2020. We'll start with Elliot, who is, I, I believe, probably more prepared than John, so we'll start with Elliot. Okay, so unlike a normal where I'm very confident with my five cards that are all slam dunks, as is sort of tradition of corsets, the cards suck. Uh, so <laughs> I've, I've, only, I've only seen to assemble two slam dunks this time, which are Leyline of Abundance and Risen Reef. Two cards that we sort of already talked about in the podcast a bit. Uh, Leyline of Abundance is, is a Leyline, but normally only costs two green green, so it's pretty manageable to get out there and, and still have an impact on the game. Um, and whenever you tap a creature for mana, you make an additional green, and then you can pay like six or seven mana to pump your team. So it's it's even a mana sink in the late game. And I think that it just enables some really explosive draws out of uh, potential ramp decks. Uh, you know, we've already seen a bunch of the green based ramp decks with the uh, mass manipulation ex- excelling, uh, and you know, even just like an early big hydroid crisis is a good payoff that you can you could have on like turn three or something like that off a of land or elf for, for quite a high number of X when it comes down to it. Um, so I think that's, that's probably my pick for like the big hit or miss card. I think if, if it's good, it's going to be great. Um, but on the other hand, it's a ley line. So, you know, it's sort of hard to build a deck around a ley line and, and hope to be winning. So uh, the next one is risen reef. I think this card's just bonkers. Uh, it's basically Rogue Refiner all over again. As soon as Rogue Refiner was spoiled, I was instantly putting it in every deck I could. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I look like a genius in hindsight, so I'm not going to miss Risen Reef this time. Uh, I don't even know how deep you need to be in Elementals for it to be insane. Like, you just get the one trigger win in Earth's Battlefield, and that's fine. If you ever have two of them, it's just, like, insane extra value. Uh, Wild Growth Walkers randomly in Elementals, so you can just be, like, a blue-green or salty regular deck and have this uh, elemental synergy, which is pretty sick. And then, you know, even if you do go deep on elementals, Omnath is is quite potent. It didn't make my list just because I didn't want to go too deep on the elemental stuff, but, you know, it's not like it's the only good elemental in the format, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, my next two are, are ones I'm really not too sure about, but they are Soren, Imperious Bloodlord, and Field of the Dead. Um, Soren was a card that as soon as spoiled, I was really excited for, and I instantly fired up a Scryfall search for what vampires were in standard to cheat into play. And I think like the best possible one is Haunt of Hightower, which is far from impressive. So I, I don't know if this card is necessarily going to make a huge impact, but um, Vampire Synergy is something that we have a lot of in, from Ixalan that's still sticking around for the next little bit, and they've got a bit more tools. And this card's like, even if you're not cheating a, a big fatty into play, um, could still have a really big impact and I don't know, I feel like it wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be doing myself justice if I didn't put a Mythic Planeswalker on my list. They're just like such a high percent to be very good. Uh, Field of the Dead is enabling um, a pretty busted looking scapeshift deck from what we've seen. Uh, You just ramp out lands and then scapeshift for as many different lands as you have and as many Field of the Deads as you can afford to still get the trigger and your scapeshift ends up producing something like, I don't know, let's say between seven or potentially 16 feel um, two zombie tokens. And you could be doing that with the risen reef ramping you and other ramp spells potentially turn five, six, not unheard of. Um, you know, I, as I said, with Leyline line abundance is the same sort of thing where we have 
these ramp decks already in the format in the form of mass manipulation and nexus of fate so i, I think there's like no reason to believe that a scape shift deck couldn't exist especially because this is such a potent win condition uh and then my last card which is a real hail mary uh i i want it to be good because it's very very sweet is night pack ambusher which is a four for four a four four for four with flash uh and is a wolf and werewolf lord i believe and additionally at the end of each turn if nobody casts a spell that turn it makes a two two i think is the text uh and it's not legendary it stacks really well in multiples i I don't know how great the wolves are in standard, but I think this card's just like really, really sweet. It's a, it, it's a very nice sideboard card at the very least, I think. Uh, in like these blue-green spells, you can hold up your mana um, to answer their threats with things like negate, and if they don't cast anything, you night pack ambusher them. And then if the same play pattern repeats, if nothing gets cast, you just get a free creature. So that's a card that I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful is good, but I don't know. I needed to put a fifth card on the list. <laughs> And that's that's my top five: Leyline of Abundance, Risen Reef, Soren Imperious Bloodlord, Deal of the Dead, and Night Pack Ambusher. Hmm. Okay, John, you go. So for standard here, like I've kind of focused on two main like archetypes or like macro archetypes, which might be wrong here, but uh, um, these certainly jumped out. First is like Vampire slash Tribal here, and I'll echo what I um what uh, Elias said about. Soren Imperious uh, Bloodlord. I think it's a very good, uh, very powerful payoff. Like I, I just like started thinking about okay, well, what about Adanto Vanguard? We have like the Elvish Visionary and there was a bunch of vampires. Like the vampire deck, like kind of existed uh, in a weak but like fringe shell uh, way back when. And Soren's very powerful. And moreover, like uh, to have like an anthem effect, like um, Icon of uh, Ancestry in. Um, in standard, it's kind of incredible to me. The rate is very, very good here. Like, Iconic Ancestry, for those who don't know, is a three-man artifact. You choose a creature type, and it's an anthem for that creature type. So let's say you, uh, you, you have a vampire deck, and you get to um, pump your vampires, all of your vampires to three mana. But that's not all, because it has the three mana tap, and you get to look at the top three, and you may reveal a vampire or whatever creature type you pick, and then you may, you may put that into your hand. And the fact that this is a uh, this is a payoff in a sense that it's a, it's an anthem and it's a, a late game card advantage engine is pretty incredible to me and um, it might be vampires it might be uh, elementals but like I see a lot of it might be wolves I don't know but I think the the power uh, power level on this for standard card is very very high I think and one way or another I think um, Icon Astry is going to make its mark before the um, before the uh, format's over, because the flaws of standard tribal decks, like Merfolk, for example, I, I found was that like it didn't, it couldn't recover from like board wipe or like uh, a, t- a key like turning point of a game, and this lets you grind like no other. I think um, Risen Reef, I, I I I found to be very very intriguing here, and like uh, like Elliot already said, he's still a lot of my thunder there, but. I really like the fact that um, it can go in multiple um, multiple decks here. Um, Omnap, I, I found was like I saw, I thought was like pretty cool build around as well. And like Elementals might be a bit too timmy, but it might also be like very good. And it can also go into like another um, uh, other archetypes like Ramp. And 
I don't think it takes many elementals for this to be a very good card already. It's already pretty good on rate as is. So Risen Reef is also very intriguing to me. And the last two are, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I really like the Planeswalker cycle as well as the Cavalier cycle. And the archetype that really um, jumped out to me potentially was uh, Monogreen Stompy. And for my last two cards, I'll pick uh, Vivian Arclor Ranger as well as a Cavalier of Thorns. And I got like visions of Monogreen Stompy coming back again. These are two very like, excellent cards on right here. Um, Vivian has the green, green, green uh, cost, but um, it, it gives pseudo evasion on a pickup because it gives trample. You fought, uh, there's the, the standard fight or removal uh, spell, and there's the wishboard, uh, um, there's the wishboard uh, ability as well, which I found to be very, um, very intriguing. Cavalier of Thorns is a very good like uh, card to ramp through and just like just just to like um, it, it's a, it's a great standalone threat as well. And the other card um, that was really intriguing to me, I'm, I guess I'm cheating a bit, or maybe not, but I definitely do want to mention Shifting Ceratops as an excellent card that'll see play in a lot of green decks, not just like Mono Green Stompy. It's a 4-mana, 5-4. This spell cannot be countered. Like, one of the things we didn't uh, mention was that there's a lot of hosers, like whether it's like Leyline effects, whether it's protection from X. There's a lot of hoser effects in this, uh, in this, um, format, uh, in this uh, set. And it's 4-mana, 5-4, cannot be countered, protection from blue, and it's basically a green, uh, yeah, it, it has a lot of abilities. You pay a green, it can gain a reach, uh, reach, trample, or haste. So this can do a lot of things. It's a, it's a powerhouse against any blue deck, and the rate is insane as is. It doesn't really need any synergy. So I think that shifting Ceratops actually is going to make my uh, top five, uh, let's say, behind, uh, ahead of Cavalier of Thorns, because I think Vivian, Vivian is very good. So uh, just to summarize here, um, I really like uh, Vivian. I like shifting Ceratops. Uh, I also like the Vampire, uh, vampire slash Tribal uh, cards in Icon, I, Icon of Ancestry, uh, the Soren, and the Risen Reef. So I think they said these are my top five. Man, lots of green love from the top five. Lots of green, green, green and red. I'm a player. I'm a beatdown player. I'm a beatdown player by heart. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> hey, back when I was a kid, I was playing Fires of Yavimaya. I was, I was curving. I don't believe it. I don't believe Stephen it. Worm. <laughs> I need proof of that. I don't believe it. Uh, Dave, what, what cards are, are you uh, specifically excited about? And and Man, I would be excited about, like, upgrading the deck we've been playing <laughs> somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the Bant Ramp deck, or, you know, just straight blue-green even, is great. Um, I think for that deck specifically, the, the Ley Line is a huge pickup. Going to be... I was actually just playing a match right before this where I had a turn three... 6-6 six, six crazes off of a ley line, so I, I tapped 8 mana on turn 3, and then on turn 4, I had a 10-10 crazes, so um, my opponent just, just scooped him up right there, so that's that's kind of the, the starts you can get with the, the green ley line. I think Elliot made an excellent call there. Um, so that's probably my number one, and then I don't know, the other ones, it's hard because I'm kind of like John, not really to, to throw shots, but I'm kind of into those like bad like off the wall kind of decks like not really the most you know like clean tier one meta decks so i'm really into the the teshar combo decks and 
Um, that's the the four mana two two. Whenever you play a historic spell, you can reanimate a creature that costs three or less. So there's all sorts of infinite combos you can pull off with that card, and um, it got a great upgrade with. I don't know the name, but it's a it's a three mana artifact. It's a two one, and it says you can sacrifice it to um, return a permanent from your graveyard to your hand that was like uh, put there from the battlefield this turn. It's Salvador so, of Ruin, by the Salvador way. Salvador of Ruins, thank you. So that's um, that is obviously really easy to see how that goes infinite with um, with Teshar because you can just any like zero mana creature like. Um, um, I'm totally blanking on the name, but there's the there's the zero mana x x costing artifact creature, and that's chamber century. Chamber century. Thank you. That's a a three card infinite combo right there. Um, so I'm not sure that deck is good. It's a it's a four mana two two. It it dies to shock. Um, obviously there's there's a lot of problems, but I think the fact that you can now go infinite with just three cards is really compelling and definitely kind of worth looking at, even if it ends up not being a good call. Um, so those are my, my two kind of main decks. It's kind of tough because I have this like really important tournament to prepare for in a week, but I also want to just kind of play these like bad combo <laughs> decks. So I'm, I'm kind of like constantly um, like fighting against myself here. <laughs> so I'll probably just end up playing Vampires. I think that Soren is just totally busted. Um, you'd like minus three put in a, a Champion of Dusk like 4-4, four, four, draw two cards on turn three. That's just a totally insane rate. Um, so that's probably, like, if you're looking to play with good cards, I would start there, but uh, I'll be jamming some leagues with, with Teshar in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you might, you might break it. So, so for this standard format, you, we won't be losing any sets for a while. They're just, it's just added core 2020, right, Elliot? Am I yeah, mistaken? Yeah, the Why? next rotation... Next rotation is in at the end of September, or I guess the first week of October when the next set comes out. So we have we have a super mega standard for the next few months. Okay, so what? And, uh, there aren't there aren't too many tournaments to play in this format, which is typically what happens when we have a mega a mega format like this. They kind of shift the focus away from standard. Um, but I mean, as as David mentioned, there's like the the big mox tournament if you're qualified for that. And, you know, there's Arena still exists. Moto League still exists. You can still play a standard there. So it, it's always always cool as well when you have big formats, lots of powerful things to do. Yeah, I want some important tournaments. Uh, before, before we go, David, I just want to ask you, um, ha- have you seen the, the Flood of Tears Omniscience deck? What do you think of that? And I feel like a lot of all these decks, all these Mad Dorks are not playing what I thought was my favorite card in, in, in the deck we've been playing, which is Nyssa. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So what do you think about that that specific brew? Um, I have just kind of seen the deck list. I haven't I haven't seen it in action, but obviously um if you're putting omniscience into play, like it can't be that bad, but it's just kind of I don't know, it's a real it's a real bad card if you don't draw Flood of Tears, and those those ramp decks are operating on pretty um you need kind of the right balance of resources you you like really care a lot about your your sort of density of ramp spells to payoffs so if you're sitting there and you have you know you've got your like perfect ley line of abundance start you've got like seven mana in play 
but the only good card in your hand is this omniscience. You're like, what am I doing with my life, right? Like, I would much rather in these ramp decks want to play cards that are just good on their own. Cards like Hydroid Crazes, like Nissa, like the the blue finale. Um, I just don't. It's already so much of a of a cost just to have like this high density of ramp creatures that you just can't be asking your deck to to sort of put together two card combos in addition to that. So that would be my my hesitance there. I haven't seen the deck play out. It's possible that's sort of not really how it works in practice. You um you're able to to get to six mana to cast Flood of Tears and and sort of don't need that much ramp to get there. I'm not really sure. But um I think just sort of conceptually there are some issues with that kind of game plan. What do you think about my comment that like I don't get these some red that's that play like two copies of Nissa? I mean she's still the bomb, right? I, <laughs> yeah, Nissa's totally busted. You should every ramp deck should be playing for that card. It's it's but, um it's Marari's weight. Like that card was insane. So just just play four, please. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm seeing all these lists with two or, or three. I'm like, what's going on? Like it's it's a reason I did so well. It's like Half the time, I, I just had it super early, and it just won the game by itself. So, can't can't understand. Um, we're gonna end the show. Uh, anything you want to shout out or uh, let us know about any upcoming projects? Go ahead. The floor is yours, Dave. Um, no shoutouts. Just follow me on Twitter, twitter.com/slash tangrams. Um, I post lots of sweet deck lists, mostly modern, and um, keep you up to date on kind of my results in the mocks because that can be a little tricky to follow so if you're you're kind of rooting for me after this hopefully um i will keep you updated there on how how the grind's going and yeah thank you so much for having me kyg and um elliot and john was tons of fun chatting with you guys so thank you okay no thank you for coming out gone and, and we hope to get you on uh especially once if you qualify for the box and compete at the box that'd be something special uh elliot anything for you uh, I've got nothing going on this weekend. I, I'm going to the team open in uh, Philadelphia in a couple weeks, so I'll be playing modern for that. So my my eyes are definitely peeled for Monday, which is when we get the ban announcement. Uh, right now, the plan is to play Is It Phoenix when Hogak gets banned. That's where I'm at. Sounds good. Sounds like a solid plan. John, what about you? Anything Anything for you? What are your sources telling you about Kawhi Leonard? <laughs> Man, like I wish I was in Toronto so I could just like play hooky on work and just like go to the hotel and camp out. But that's another story. Um, I I'm gonna play in a mox event uh, this weekend. Like I've kind of resolved. I made it a personal goal to try and date to a limited event. So I'm going to Vegas uh, for Modern and Modern Horizons Limited. So I'm uh, hopefully I can do well there. I can do well in the mox uh, uh, sealed this weekend. Otherwise, I'm gonna be in the lab just iterating on the Mimasaurus. Um, as, as we are casting, Warren has been irresponsibly dis, uh, disturbing me from my streaming by sending me a variety of different turn one screenshots. So I guess uh, we're off to the races with the London Mulligan. Let's go. John, can you tell Warren that if you can, can set up an OBS playlist that wouldn't be too complicated for him, the mad scientist himself, someone that seeks, I mean, to show off his bruise, he should just record his stuff, right? 
Dude, like at GP Vegas, he was known as the grafted warrior guy. Like, like people like uh, Mike Segrist and Jerry Thompson was like, "Oh, that's nice." When he went twelve and three with like Hollow One, for example, we were testing the Monterey Phoenix before his cool, and he was the one that said, "Hey, I can't beat Dredge. So I'm gonna splash White in my Phoenix and Reveler deck and play Resting Peace." I'm like, "Dude, what is wrong with you?" Of course, he he beat me with the Resting Peace, but like, what is wrong with you? You're playing Resting Peace in your Phoenix deck and your Reveler deck, like, what? But his, his uh, he if he ever streams, uh, he he'll have some really cool ideas. So maybe uh, I'll help him out. Who knows? <laughs> Obviously, we've talked, uh, Dave. Offer extends to you. There are there's an audience for for these videos. Uh, we have a bunch that that watch your videos, John. I mean, not everyone comments, but um, it's one of the the more popular videos on the Face to Face Games channel at the moment, and. Uh, I think that if you record it, I'm curious. I'm curious what kind of draft you are. If you record a, a Modern Horizons draft sometime in the near future, uh, there's a demand for that as well, for me at least. I'm not so sure about that. I'm still an amateur limited <laughs> player. So, but I will say that um, people have been asking me to uh, more, more questions about the archetypes. So before Pro Tour uh, Bar- uh, Barcelona, I might actually do a, a primer, a more comprehensive primer in written form. So... If you guys are curious about the deck, um, be on the lookout. I'll be uh, brainstorming for that article. Sweet, sweet. All right. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash first strike. And if you want to check out my other pod with Alex Hain, uh, Table for Two podcast, putting a lot of uh, MTG content out. And uh, tomorrow I'll be announcing more, making more posts about the upcoming MCQs and face-to-face games. There's a face-to-face games open next month that's uh team trios standard legacy modern so lots of stuff happening pre-releases this weekend at, at both stores uh, have fun this weekend with corset 2020 and i'll see you we'll all see you next week ciao guys 